Welcome back to the Nationally Syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And let's face it, when it comes to taxes and what's going on at the fiscal front, uh, that is all of our businesses. It really does impact many aspects of our lives. And there's very few people I'd like to talk to more than my guest this segment, Alex Brill. He's with one of my favorite think tanks. I know I'm weird. I, I, I talked to someone recently, Alex, over lunch, and I said, you know, that, that AEI, AEI.org, was one of my favorite think tanks. And he said, you know, Kevin, I think you're the only person I know who has a favorite think tank. So um, I know it's kind of <laughs> walky, kind of weird. Uh, you know, people have favorite baseball players. I have those too, by the way. But really? Favorite think tanks. Uh, but I love AEI. I love the fact that it's responsible, that it's interested in substantive change, it's real world. It accepts realities that uh, doesn't always support your narrative, uh, which I think is so important. And, and in other words, you guys are honest players in what has become a relatively dishonest industry, I'm afraid. The think tank industry is, is really very dishonest, uh, with rare exceptions. I think AEI is one of the best exceptions of that. And Alex's background is phenomenal, former chief economist for the House Ways and Means Committee, Work for the White House as well. And so we love having you on. Thanks for being with us. Well, thanks for having me back. It's always fun to chat. And I would, I would encourage everyone to, uh, to have a favorite think tank, so just like you do. I also have a favorite think tank. We share the same favorite think tank. There are a couple other think tanks that are also very good. So, but everyone should find one and, and declare it their, their favorite because there's, I love that there idea. can be a lot of good information out there. <laughs> I, I love that idea. I have others that I love a lot. I like a lot. I like Hudson Institute. I think it makes me think. You know, there's there's great, there are great ones left out there. I don't want to paint these people out of the brush because that's probably the single biggest problem we have today is people painting with too broad of a brush. But, right. uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. And AEI is a great place to start that uh, that process. All right, let's 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 get into a topic today that uh, caught my attention. Uh, you know, whenever we get you on, I like to do a little homework on what Alex Burrell is all about these days. You wrote a fascinating piece over at AEI.org, which we'll have a link to uh, over at PriceBusiness.com, the next tax fight salt. And uh, first of all, tell us real quickly, what is salt? And it's not the stuff that goes on your food that makes it edible. Yeah, so it's that. But in the tax world, salt is the state and local tax deduction. So it's it's the ability on your federal tax return to say, Hey, I also I already paid you know let's say three thousand dollars in taxes to the state of New York. Um, I I want to be able to deduct that, um, and so that is the salt is the ability to deduct from your income the amount that was already paid in state and local deductions. And I, just real quick, the history there is for a long time, um, and, and the for the whole history of our modern income tax, um, taxpayers were allowed to take this deduction however much it was with unli- without limits. In 2017, in, in the tax reform that was passed at that point, there was a limit imposed on the ability to claim SALT deductions. And so there was a cap of $10,000 per tax return imposed on the SALT deduction. That's yeah, and this, this, is, uh, yeah, and this is highly political, I think, and I think you would probably agree. 
I think this is something that the, you know, we, we complain so much about regulations that were EPA-related under the Obama administration that seemed targeted to red states. This seemed very targeted to blue states, which what a surprise coming from uh, Donald Trump. Well, yes and no. So I would say that... <laughs> You're so diplomatic. I would, <laughs> I would say yes that there are, you know, the the blue states or the states. Um, what makes them blue is oftentimes is the fact that their governments are bigger and the taxes are higher and more progressive in the blue states. And so for those high income individuals living in blue states, they're more likely to feel the pinch of of this change in 2017. That 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 limit that was imposed in 2017 is more likely to have hurt a high income earner in a blue state than a red state. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it was that that politics was the only thing that was driving here. The the end result oh, is sure. maybe that more on the blue than on the red. But when we give a deduction for something, it's a way of giving a subsidy. And so the question uh, the principal question here is do we want to have a tax subsidy at the federal level that rewards or encourages high taxes at the state level? And I would say no. I would say we should be neutral on that fact. If a state wants to have a high tax system, it can have a high tax system if that's what the people of that state want. But the federal government should not be subsidizing or encouraging that behavior with a tax deduction. Ooh, that's a good point. That's a good point. In other words, uh, it, it, this policy, you know, the, the, the old policy after 2017 in a way was uh, get out of jail cards card for high tax states. Exactly right. If you're, yeah, if you, that makes if you're, sense. If, so, yeah, basically, you know, I'm so anti-Trump that sometimes I get caught up <laughs> in some of this. Uh, you know, and, but there is a problem for Republicans with the way it is now, isn't there? Because they finally made inroads, and I, I give Biden a lot of credit for that. Uh, you know, in in uh, blue states, um, they they were finally getting some inroads in those blue states. And uh, the old law certainly benefited Republicans in the blue states more than the current system. That's exactly right. And so, I mean, to your point, politics does come into this even today because we do have Republican lawmakers in blue states, congressional, you know, members of Congress that represent red areas in in blue states where the taxes are high. There are Republican lawmakers from New Jersey and from New York um, and from California. And their constituents are paying more because of this of this limit. So you've got some Republicans in the House who are saying, we need tax relief in our congressional district. This limit is, is too low. You've got to raise the limit. They had a proposal uh, to raise the limit for married filers from $10,000 to $20,000. That came up for a, the, the rule considering that bill came up for a vote um, recently and, and was voted down. Um, but there, but the issue remains a hot button issue for those members, and just even more broadly, because it's some in the in a year from now, those Trump tax cuts are going are set to to expire, and this issue will be you know front and center when they try to figure out how and with and and if to extend those provisions. Yeah, absolutely. There's <laughs> a lot going on, uh, and no, and no time in history, by the way, you will know this, I'm sure. In history, uh, tax cuts and all tax cuts are temporary. I noticed that's one of the things that you, you noted in your article is that 
uh, bad tax reform as temporary tax reform, but let's face it, I think that's the history of almost all tax reform without, you know, except for those things that end up becoming literal sections of the IRS code. Uh, you know, everything seems so temporary in fiscal policy, uh, you know, in this situation. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's all uh, very precarious. In, in the history of, of uh, tax cuts, go, they've never been continued. Even when a Republican was still in office when they expired, you know, if, they, if those taxes were by Republicans or, or by Democrats, right? The Kennedy tax cuts, they expired. Um, sure. You know, even with Johnson in the White House. And even though Johnson acted as though he was a huge fan of those tax cuts, that's the history of those policies. And so there's a lot of uh, concern, particularly in the investor front. Uh, and in a way, that's kind of a campaign issue that I'm surprised the Republicans haven't exploited yet. They haven't much. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, one of the things that would that would define good tax policy would be stable tax policy. You know, you're trying to decide, you know, should I go to college? Should I get a master's degree? Should I take a training program? Should I buy a new piece of equipment for my factory? Should I make these long-term decisions? You might say, well, What's the tax consequence of that going to be? might not be the first question you ask, but it, it might be a question that you think about. And the answer is, we don't know, because the tax code's changing all the time, right? <laughs> and that's yeah. unfortunate. Um, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's changing because it's getting better, but sometimes it's changing because it's getting worse. It usually goes back and forth. Yeah. Ed, ed and flow, right? Talk a little bit uh, about, uh, you know, what, what you see, you know, something you said during the break, and, and I can certainly see it just looking at it. This is a policy that you said, uh, you pointed out, has uh, bipartisan implications, both good and bad. Talk a little bit about that. Elaborate. Yeah, so um, so there's a, a division within the, the Repo- Republican conference in the House where you've got, as we were discussing a moment ago, some Republicans, uh, House members in blue states who very much want, mo- tend to be moderate Republicans, who very much want this provision to be expanded for the cap to be lifted or or or, or increased um, and then you've got other more conservative members who say no we're not going to give away part of the trump tax cuts we're not going to give away um to to liberals in, in blue states this kind of tax relief so some of them think about it in a very partisan way or some of them think about it in a policy way um, and as a result um you know the the very tenuous uh fractured House Republican Conference, you know, struggles with these issues where there's diverse impacts of, of, of policies. So at the moment, um, you know, this SALT provision seems not to be going anywhere. Um, but, you know, in the, in the future, depending on, on the outcomes of the next election, uh, this is, could very much be in play. Um, and that and depends on in, including depending on who's in the White House, but of course, who controls um, the majorities in the, in the House and the Senate as well. Yeah, absolutely. I hate to say it. I mean, I've <laughs> got such a dim view of the GOP today, and, and it only joins a view I, I had that was very dim of the Democrats for years. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't really seem like Speaker Johnson or the backbone of the strange Republican caucus really cares about these blue state Republicans. That's the impression I get. I I, th- I think that is definitely the case. Among, I I can't speak for the for Speaker Johnson, but I do think that within the the party that there is 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 disregard for for for, for their own colleagues, right? 
And so it's, which is very interesting, particularly when you have such a slim majority, um, yeah. where if you want to be in charge, you need all your friends to, to, to win when the next time they're on the ballot and whether they're at your actual friends or, or they're just in your, in your same club on your same team. Um, and there's not that kind of appreciation that I think there was 20 years ago that sure, there were always, you know, more liberal Republicans and more conservative Republicans. It was always diversity. It was always a big tent. But there was a notion that we have to figure out, you know, let members win in the districts they can win in the way that they can win. Um, yeah. And, and I think we've lost some of that. Oh, we've lost a lot of that, no question about it. I think, they, you know, at the very least, you're going to get the speaker, Right. If nothing else, you'll get the speaker if you have a majority. And I think they, apparently they don't care very much. It's almost like they relish being the underdogs so they have an excuse for not getting things done. <laughs> and let's face yeah. it, this GOP, which I defended for many years, um, really, you know, I thought that they were only in pursuit of good policy, which is why a lot didn't get done. This is a do-nothing GOP. You know, the guy that, that uh, you know, uh, Jim Jordan, when uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, K- McCarthy came out in support of him, talked about him being a great legislator. This is a guy who served 16 years in Congress who never got a single bill passed with his name on it. These people are allergic to getting things done. I don't even know why they call themselves legislators. And they're, they're more <laughs> like, they're almost like policy terrorists rather than policy makers. Um, I, I, so anyway, tell me how I really, ask me how I really feel. <laughs> I'm very frustrated because it's about moving to football, right? Ron Reagan, I think, is the one I heard say, we're looking for first downs, not touchdowns. And if you get enough yeah. first downs, you'll win a game. These guys don't care. They want, they want Hail Marys every time. You know how those are going to turn out. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that really is true. I mean, I think that people who come to Congress, with a desire of changing the law, have to acknowledge and recognize that, that change is incremental. Obviously, it change is going to be incremental when, you know, you don't control the, all the, the other chamber and you don't control the White House. So at best, you're going to be making some incremental improvements. And they don't seem interested in making incremental improvements. Um, yeah. And so they'd rather do nothing. Um, yeah. At least some yeah. of them, maybe even a majority of them. Not all of them, yeah. but many of them. I'd say the majority, the the backbone, uh, really, of this group, especially since on a daily basis, legitimate, serious legislators on the GOP side are retiring left and right. Yep, we are seeing that, and it is certainly concerning, not only because we're losing their expertise and we're losing their you know, sort of commitment to, to this type of incremental reform, but it puts it raises questions about who's going to come behind them, right? Who's going to take that seat oh, now? <laughs> oh my goodness! I don't even want to. Th- I already have enough nice nightmares, Alex, about this. So, <laughs> Alex, bro, always love talking to you. I always have more conversation than time with you, and we're running out of time here. I do want to encourage the listener to check out AEI.org. We're taping on a Monday, and sometimes I'm grumpy on a Monday. I think it came through this segment, but this stuff is so important, and we deserve better. And we deserve better. You know, people hear this in this bi- binary, uh, you know, culture we live in. Now. Now, Alex, oh, he's a Democrat. No, uh, frankly, I love both sides. I can't believe how incompetent both are. You know, I, I go, I live in a world where I have dozens of choices for toilet paper and two really mediocre choices 
for <laughs> policy. I mean, that's that's just disgusting when you get down to it. And so we deserve better. And so that's where my frustration is. But I'm so glad there are beacons of hope like AEI out there. I think you guys make such a huge difference just in bringing nuance and reason to the conversation. Thanks for your work, and I look forward to our next time. All right. Thanks for having me on. Always good to talk to you as well. Always. Uh, Alex Brill, AEI.org, the American Enterprise Institute, my favorite think tank. More after this on The Price of Business.